And Happy New Year to all of you who are joining us here on site and those who are joining us online this morning as well. Uh, well, I trust you had a wonderful holiday season that has led us up to this morning. And I'm just curious, because I'm not feeling a lot of energy this morning myself, so I just want to ask all of you, is anybody excited for 2023? Hey, there we go. There is. Okay. There are a few of us. Okay. I'm glad because I can feel it inside, but it's having a hard time coming out this morning. I'm not sure if it's, if it's the New Year's Day or something, but whatever it is. Well, we had a great Christmas season in the Dixon household. We uh, had a wonderful Christmas uh, with, it was simple, but a lot of family kind of coming and going. Our kids are all older now and they're all kind of paired up with others. And so there's sort of a revolving door of, of who's here and who's not. And uh, we enjoyed that having lots of people around. Uh, we also had a bit of a Christmas surprise shortly before Christmas. Uh, our eldest daughter, Kaylina, got engaged to a wonderful man named Jason, who's in the front row here. Yep. So that was a wonderful surprise that we uh, got to celebrate during Christmas, and we now have an opportunity to plan uh, for the expansion of our family and for a wedding coming up this August. So it's going to be a fun, uh, a fun season ahead. You can congratulate them after service if you like. We know we also had a great year here at West Meadows as a church. You know, did you know that a year ago, a year ago, we were still under the COVID guidelines and some of the limitations around that. But but during that whole time, we remained, as you know, if you've been with us, we remained completely committed to being on mission for the sake of Jesus Christ. And because of that, I believe that he he blessed a lot of the work that we had done. We had seen continued growth in, in spiritual growth and numerical growth within our congregation throughout the whole season. And, and over the last number of months, as we finished off 2022, we, we saw growth in our congregation. For example, on Easter and even on Christmas Eve, just a, a couple of days ago, we had, we had over 400 people join us you know, online and, and on site here for those events. We've seen continued growth on our Sunday services and our kids and our youth programs. Uh, our life groups got going again as people reconnected once more in homes and to study the Word of God together, and we relaunched our life groups. Did you know that this last fall, we also launched five new young adult and young family life groups? Not five people, five groups of 45 new people that are young families or young adults that are now connected into community and doing Bible study amongst us. Just in this last fall, we're seeing incredible growth in some of these areas. Within our community last year, we had a, a growing experience and an increasingly regular experience at the Lewis Estates Retirement Residence, where we do a weekly service there and got to know those residents better. We're able to pray with them, and, and I know of at least one person who prayed for salvation last week with one of our volunteers, or last year with one of our volunteers through that ministry. Day camps and VBS, we saw 60% of our attendees at those camps come from our community. Our food bank, I don't know if you know this, but our food bank is now the largest volume food bank in the city of Edmonton that we have. Absolutely. And that we're th- so thankful for the volunteers that help with that. The launching of one of our, young, one of our, our youth had this vision for a second stories uh, opportunity to offer goods to those who come to the food bank and need more than food, who need goods for their homes. And so our second stories ministry continues to grow throughout the year. And we've been able to serve so many in our community. And many new Canadians who have come from Ukraine and from the Middle East have been blessed by being able to engage with us in that way. So many wonderful things are happening within the church in this past year. It's hard to believe a year ago we were still just at the tail end of the COVID restrictions and now here we are with all these wonderful things that have happened last year. We have seen uh, you know, a dozen people make first-time commitments to Christ. We've do- baptized another dozen. We've dedicated children. We've seen growth within our membership. And as I think about all these things that have happened last year, I could talk about so much more. It just makes me pause and want to pause with you and just say, isn't God good? 
Isn't it amazing how good God is for what he's done amongst us this last year? We absolutely want to give praise to him and give glory to him for those wonderful things. And it gives us anticipation and excitement for the year ahead. Now, now I know at the same time that for some people last year was a hard year, that there was some losses that existed for people as well. Uh, There are people I know who lost jobs, who lost loved ones, who had some relational challenges, uh, physical health concerns. And we are increasingly coming into contact with more and more people literally every week who are coming in from the Ukraine and hearing stories of the journeys that they've been on. I know last year wasn't great for everybody, but I don't, and I don't want to overlook those things, and I don't want to minimize those things either, but I do want to encourage you in the midst of whatever your last year looked like. I want to encourage you to let you know and remind you that God knows about it and that God cares about it. And whether the result of year 22, whether the net result of last year was that you feel like you're ahead or you were behind, as we look towards 2023, I want you to know that God is with you. And as God said to Joshua, as he stood on the edge of the promised land with that mixture of feelings within himself, as Joshua stood there thinking, we've had these victories that we've come through and we're about to step into the new promised land. At the same time, Joshua was feeling a sense of loss because his mentor and the one who had led them this far, Moses, had passed on and now he had the burden upon his shoulders as Joshua stood there with this mixed feelings within himself, not knowing what lay ahead in the path that he was called to walk. What did God say to him in Joshua 1 verse 9? He said to Joshua, be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid and certainly do not be discouraged. Why? Because the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Whatever this is in store for you tomorrow, whatever that next step leads you towards, I will be with you, God promises. Isn't that an amazing, encouraging verse? It's verses like that that give me incredible confidence in every season of life that I may find myself in. It's verses like that that give me the confidence and the encouragement to say, I can place my trust. I can place my hope in God, regardless of what season I'm in. How about you? Do you feel encouragement from things like that? Absolutely. It's part of the power of the Word of God. You know, and I have a mentor who, uh, every year at this time of year, he selects a verse, a specific verse that he prays about and feels led to, that he memorizes, and it becomes kind of his theme for the year. Almost like a theme verse that he lives out in the year. And, and, and he's done this because he finds that it's, it's sort of a better and more successful way than compared to a New Year's resolution where he's made a New Year's resolution to go to the gym and, and get fit, but by February he quits. Or, or to go and have a diet and lose weight, but then by the first weekend... That's kind of gone. But when he has a Bible verse, a a biblical principle that he can commit his life to and strive to live out, he's found that he has more success. And so I thought as we find ourselves on the cusp of this new year, not totally sure what the year holds, knowing that there was a mixture of things in the past, there was so much good that happened, but we know that not everybody had a wonderfully blessed 2022. We all stand at the same point here, heading into this new year, and I was thinking, wouldn't it be amazing Just to start with the encouragement. What if I could encourage you and maybe even challenge you and share with you a couple of the countless verses that you could possibly choose to be like your life verse for this year? What if I were to share with you a couple of verses that you could consider possibly memorizing and then applying to your life throughout the year that is ahead? that it could maybe become your verse in 2023. There's more than I could possibly share today, obviously, but I thought maybe I'll share some with you where you might be thinking, hey, Pastor Mark, Joshua 1.9, that's good for me. That's like, I feel like that's where I'm at, so you can just pray and we'll all go home and have lunch. But, but no, I, I got a few more I want to share with you because maybe, maybe there's some other ones that will work even better for you. Because Joshua 1.9 is a wonderful one to consider 
but also consider perhaps a personal favorite of mine. One that reminds me to, to learn from the past, but always look towards the future. And it's found in, in, in uh, Philippians chapter 3, and it says this. It says, brothers and sisters, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's a great verse as we enter into a new year, isn't it? That we forget what is behind but strain forward to what God has called us towards in Christ Jesus. Now this verse comes from one of the passages of Scripture where where Paul is using an analogy of running the race to, to explain what the Christian life is like. And the type of race he's talking about here is not a sprint. He's talking about a marathon because it's kind of a long journey to go through the Christian life. Many of us have many years that we have to live that, just like a long race through a marathon rather than a sprint. And a lot happens over the 42 kilometers of a marathon. There are some kilometers on that journey where you feel strong. You feel like you've got your stride and rhythm, you're covering lots of ground, you feel good, your energy is good, you're having positive thoughts and positive outlooks. But then there's other kilometers, isn't there? There's other legs of that journey where you're like, oh, I got a cramp. (laughs) Or you feel like you have shin splints and you're feeling fatigued and you're thinking, why am I even doing this? Why am I even doing this? I could just quit now. And you have moments like that as well. It's a journey, it's this race, this marathon type race that we run. But what's Paul saying in this passage? He's, uh, let me explain first of all what he's not saying. He's not saying that when we forget what's behind and we strain forward that we just literally forget about it. Like we have a bad memory. Like when Nadine asked me to do something and I just forget to do it. It's not, it's not that type of forgetting. It's not about ignoring the mistakes that happened. It's not about kind of ignoring the fact that we do make errors and that we do have regrets. That's that's not the kind of forgetting he's talking about here. What he's talking about is that whatever may have happened in the past, those mistakes, those errors, those regrets, he's saying we leave them in the past as done and settled by Jesus Christ. We have the power because of Jesus to leave them in the past We have power to leave them back there and press on towards becoming increasingly more and more Christ-like, which is not only the one who enables us to leave them in the past, but drives us forward to become more like him. Because reality is, is in our past, we all have this mix of good and bad, don't we? And how you view that, and this is what Paul's trying to get at here, how you view that has a very strong influence upon the present. Let me explain what I mean. See, there are some people who are on one side of this equation who, who just forget the past. And you've probably heard the same before. Those who forget the past are destined to repeat it. You've heard that before? Right? Those who forget the past are destined to repeat it. And, and if last year was an experience for you of loss, whether it's a loss of people or a loss of security, uh, a, a loss of security within a marriage, maybe last year for you was a, a time of missteps and sinful actions and attitudes, And instead of growing from those, learning from them, healing from them, if you simply forget them, I can tell you confidently right now that your script for 2023 is already written because you're going to be destined to repeat those same things in the year ahead. Because those who forget the past are destined to repeat it. But on the other side of the equation, we have others who who are so fixated upon the past. They They don't forget the past, they are rather fixated upon the past, so much so to the point where they become defined by it. 
And people who are defined by their past will struggle to cross the finish line because they're not watching where they're going. If your eyes are always towards the back, if you're always playing the hindsight game, you know that hindsight game, the woulda, coulda, shoulda? If I could do it over again, here's what I would say. If I could do it over again, here's what I would do. You know what happens when you play the hindsight game? You always lose, right? Because you always have a chance to do it over in your head in a way that would be better, but that's not how reality works. And people who are fixated upon the hindsight game tend to not finish the race well because they become defined. Their present becomes defined by regrets and mistakes and the wrongs that were done by us and the wrongs that were done to us. And it actually forms a self-fulfilling prophecy. And what happens is if, we, if we're fixated upon the past and we become defined by that, it affects how we live today and the problems continue to exist today. And we go, see, nothing ever changes. My past exists in my present and it reinforces these negative ideas. But here's the thing. Rather than being destined to repeat the past or rather than being defined by the past, what if we let Jesus redeem the past? This idea of redemption does not mean that everything is perfect. It means that what was intended for harm or what caused harm, God has the amazing power to get in the middle of and bring good out of it. It's amazing when he does that in a person's life. And you see, and I firmly believe that if we will confess our hurts from our past, if we will confess the missteps from our past, that we have this incredible power when we bring those things to Jesus, we have the incredible power to take them off of our backs and place them at his cross. And then we no longer become defined by those things that weigh us down. Instead, we become by the we become defined by the new life that we can find in Christ. Not because we've forgotten about it, but because we've dealt with it. Because we placed it at the foot of the cross. We've confessed it. We've healed from it. We've moved on from it. And in that moment, Jesus becomes our source of hope and the goal that we can attain. It's kind of what Paul's talking about in this passage in Philippians chapter 3. And as I was, I was reflecting upon this, it reminded me of a story I heard a, a couple years ago about a team who made an attempt to scale Mount Everest. And they had tried this three times. Their past was defined by three attempts to climb Mount Everest. Three times that they had failed. And this most recent time that they had failed to climb Mount Everest, two of their companions lost their lives. And when they returned home, they went to a news conference, and at the end of the interview, of all these questions they had to be asked and answered, and at the end of the interview, one of the lead expedition guys from the expedition turned around to a giant picture of Mount Everest that was behind them. And he looked directly at that picture of that mountain and he said, Everest, we tried to conquer you once, but you overpowered us. Everest, we tried to conquer you twice and again you were too much for us. But Everest, we want you to know that we were going to conquer you. Why? Because you can't get any bigger, but we can. See, whatever Mount Everest-type challenges may exist within your life from last year, do not allow them to define you. Do not allow them to defeat you. Rather than define you, let them shape you. Rather than defeat you, let them motivate you. And set your eyes towards what God has called you forward towards in 2023. Forgetting what is behind because it is dealt with in Christ Jesus. And straining forward to what is ahead for what he has planned for you in the days ahead. Pressing on towards our goal, which is... Christ Jesus. Amen? 
Perhaps perhaps that's a verse that you could reflect upon and you could memorize and apply to your life in this coming year. If so, I won't guarantee you you'll have a perfect year, but I will guarantee you you will have a better year than you had perhaps the one prior. But let me share with you another one. Perhaps you're already looking forward to 2023 and you've decided to set a goal for yourself. You're going to eat healthier and you're going to exercise more. These are common New Year's resolutions. Perhaps you've decided that you have some bad habits in the past that you don't want to bring to the future with you. Wonderful decision to make. Perhaps you have a desire to learn a new skill because you want to experience new opportunities in the year ahead. Fantastic. Those are all wonderful ways to continue to develop and grow ourselves. And especially on January 1st, people have these sorts of thoughts. That's, that's what has really contributed to the growth of what's referred to as the self-help industry. And you're probably familiar with this idea, the self-help industry, but what you may not know is that all of the books and the seminars and all of the personal life coaching that goes into this industry has grown to a $10 billion a year industry. $10 billion a year people spend on self-help. And hey, when we find a person or an author or a, a pastor who, who, who is a little further down the road of life than us and can speak into our lives, that is an incredible blessing. And, and, and I have these people in my lives as well. I, I, I was blessed with, with good parents who, who spoke good virtues and values into my life. I've, I've been honored to have wonderful pastors around me, to have good coaches. Uh, when I became a pastor initially, you know, many years ago, I sought out three specific types of mentors. I knew I needed a spiritual mentor. I knew I needed a, an organizational kind of a business mentor, and I needed a leadership coach. And so I found people who were further down the road than me in those areas who could speak into my life in a godly way. And I've been incredibly blessed by those people. And, and so uh, encourage you to, to seek out those types of people within your life. And even if they are authors, you know, you have mentors who are close that you meet across a table and mentors who are at a distance who perhaps you listen to podcasts or, or read books. These are wonderful people to have in our lives. But be careful because there are some people who are rather high on themselves who think they have a lot to offer you but in reality are not further down the road of life than you may be in a particular area. I remember there was this one gentleman a few years ago who called me and, and wanted to meet with me because he was looking for some counseling. And so I went to his apartment, and he lived downtown, and, uh, on one of, the, one of the towers downtown. And, and I, I took the elevator up, which was kind of a, it was an older building, kind of creaky, and I wasn't so sure about this particular place. And sure enough, we get into his apartment, and it's basically empty. It, it was very, very dirty. And he owned a mattress that was laying on the floor, a plastic, one of, those, one of those plastic patio chairs, uh, a little kind of a desk made out of cardboard boxes, and a laptop. That was kind of what he had in his possession within this place. And he had called me to come, and, and he wanted to share some struggles from his life. He wanted me to speak into his life a little bit. And so I started asking him about past relationships and family and education and, and work and goals. And how can, how can I help you? And he asked him, how, how have you survived to this point? Where have you seen God move in your lives and shape you and allow you to make it this far? What, what sort of future goals do you have? And, and partway through this, when I asked him about the goals, he says, well, I, I've actually, I have a goal. I, I started a business. So well, that's fantastic. What, what kind of business did you start? And he goes, I'm an online life coach for people. I help people navigate their lives online. And I was like, who are you further down the road then? <laughs> like, 
How, how, what, what have you done? Like, what do you know more about that you can speak into the lives of others? And, and people are paying you for this, hey? And it just, it, it baffled me. There are some people who just don't have a clear sense on these things. And we need to be careful of some of these people who want to speak into our lives, but actually aren't further down the road than us. You know, and the, you know there's a verse actually in the Bible that speaks to this. And it's traditionally said to be a verse that it's at the heart of Scripture, like, like right in the very middle of, of the Bible. And it offers wisdom into these sorts of situations. Now, because there's different versions of the Bible and stuff, and, and whatnot, it's hard to determine the exact accuracy of this. But I thought it was kind of an interesting, interesting thing. So, so simply for interest's sake, consider this pathway to this verse. And it's a verse that's found in Psalm 118, which, based upon some uh, translations of the Bible, is considered to be the, sort of the, right in the middle, the middle chapter of the Bible. And something interesting about Psalm 118, not only is it considered in the middle of the Bible, but, but the chapter preceding it, Psalm 117, is the shortest chapter in the Bible. And the one after it, Psalm 119, is the longest chapter in the Bible. And if you were to count how many chapters come before Psalm 118, you'll find that there are 594 chapters before it, but there's also 594 chapters after it. So right in the middle, 594 before, 594 after. If you add 594 and 594 together, you get 1,188. Psalm 118, verse 8, reads this. It says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. Consider to be at sort of the heart of the Bible. The central verse of the central chapter, according to some traditions. It is better to put your trust in the Lord then put your trust in man. This verse is not saying it's wrong or sinful to put confidence in man. It's because there are good people in our lives. There are good pastors. There are good mentors. There are good authors. It's not saying it's wrong to do this. There are people that I turn to in times of challenge and trial and struggle that, that I deeply value in my life. There, there are people who turn to me for advice and counseling and to confess things. It's important to have these people in our lives. The Christian journey was never meant to be lived alone. But at the end of the day, whether it's me or my mentors or your teachers, all of us have limits. All of us have limits. At the very best, at our very best, the best that I can offer you is what has been revealed to me through God and about God. That's the very best that I can offer to you. Any experience that I have is because God has brought me through it, and I can share that with you, but I'm really pointing you back to God, aren't I? Any, any advice or strategy or counseling I can offer to you has to be founded and true to the Word of God because I'm pointing you back to God. That's why whenever I go to some of my leaders or when leaders come to me and we have an issue that we don't have an answer to, what is our response? Let's pray about it. What does God's Word have to say about it? Because it's better to trust in the Lord than to put our confidence in man's, even the best of man's ideas. Therefore, if you have a mentor who's trusting in God, in a way, in fact, in every way, they need to be moving you towards guiding you in the word of God. Does that make sense? Because the very best of what they have to share actually finds its origin in him anyways. That's why when we get together, whether individually or together, and we bring anything to God in prayer... We're trusting in him more than man. When we open the word of God, and we find that in the word of God, we find there's limited, uh, uh, limitless wisdom 
on life and family and spirituality and, and ethics. And, and yes, even if you want to know how can I apply the word of God to my, to my New Year's resolution to, to exercise more or, or to diet better, there are verses on self-control. <laughs> there are verses on managing your own personal life. They are found in the word of God as well. That's what it means to trust in the Lord. To trust in the Lord means that we believe more in him than anything in this world that we'll ever come against. We believe in the power of his word and the presence in our lives because that is what puts to flight the terrors of life. That is what quenches the fiery arrows of temptation that the enemy throws at us. And that is what helps us to gain perspective on the matters of faith, morality, and life in which we live. Putting our trust in God. Putting our confidence in him more than man. So, be and have godly mentors. Open and read godly, honoring books that reveal Christian principles for living. But in the days and the events ahead in 2023, I want to challenge you to commit to trusting the Lord your God above all else. Amen? All right, that's two of them. I got one more for you. Because a natural follow-up to this question, to this one, a natural follow-up to how do I do that? How do I put my confidence and trust in the Lord? Where do I start with that? What is the first step in doing that? The answer to that can be found in another verse I want to share with you. In Psalm 119, verse 105, where it says this, The word, your word, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Powerful verse, simple verse, but so powerful. The light that it's talking about here, this passage is speaking about a small lamp. In the context which this is written, a person would think about the small clay lantern that you would fill with a little bit of oil and a single wick. And if you lit that little wick with that little bit of oil and this clay light, it would give you just enough light that if you held it out in front of you, it would brighten your path a small distance. It would brighten your path enough that you could take a step. And you could avoid any of the dangers in your immediate proximity. And when you took that step, it would light your path the next step. And you could take the next step. It wasn't one of these, you've probably seen a Canadian Tire or some of these infomercials where they have like these 6,000 lumen spotlights that will mark the way to Calgary for you the whole way down. It's not talking about that sort of a spotlight. It's talking about this little lantern, a little bit of oil, the single wick that will reveal your next step. And that's part of the reason that this verse is so powerful because it reveals to us not only how to illuminate the path, but it reveals to us in a lot of ways how God works. How God's word illuminates our path for us in life. Because God God could reveal the entire path for you. He could reveal the entire way that you need to walk. But let's be honest. I know of my own life and, and many people that I've met in my life. God has a hard enough time getting us to take one step, doesn't he? That if he illuminated the whole path, if he illuminated every step, oh boy, there's been times in my life when, when God's revealed a little bit too much to me and I actually feel the fear and I actually start to shrink back instead of forward. That's where we have to trust him to say he'll illuminate the next step. And really, if we think about it, isn't that all that we need? If we're living a life of faith with Jesus Christ and if we're trusting in him, we're trusting in the guidance of his word, do we really need any more than the next step? And if his word has illuminated the first step in front of us, the challenge then comes to us, are we willing to take one step? Not every step. Are we willing to take one step? And then trust his word will illuminate the next one. And then take the next step. Do we really need any more than one step? 
to take the first step. That's kind of how his word works for us. It illuminates one, allows us to see the next one. But before his word can do that for us, before it can guide us in our steps, we have to possess it. We have to light our lamps. And I, I encourage people, I'm so encouraged when I, when I meet people who have, who have come to church and they, and they, or they meet with me or meet with other people in their small groups and they talk about spiritual things. And then I hear these testimonies or I hear these words come back from them going, I, I feel encouraged. I, I know which way to go in this problem I have in my life now. And then they, and they, they leave church or they leave their small group or whatever it may be. And they go back into the world and they take that first step confidently. But then they struggle to find the next step. Like, well, I took the first one. Where's the next step? I, I can't find it. And then sometimes they'll, they'll come back and meet with me and say, and I'll say, how's it going? I, I know you had that problem and we kind of worked out the first step you're going to take. And you, you take it. Yeah took a first step, but it's not going well anymore. So I'll ask the follow-up question. Well, have you been praying about it or have you been worrying about it? Have you been reading about it in God's Word or have you been stewing about it on your own? And quite often I find that people who take the first step but don't know what to do for the next step is that they are doing little to none of the praying and the reading. But they've experienced the power of the illumination that happens when they have those moments with God. They've experienced the reality of it. They experience the power of it. They do that on Sunday, but then the rest of the week, their light grows dim, even to the point where their wick gets snuffed out. And they come back to church on Sunday, and we relight that, and they head out back on Monday, and they take that first step, but then the light grows dim throughout the week because we got to keep maintaining our lights. You need to keep putting oil into your lamp. You need to keep refilling that lantern so that you can take the next step and the next step and the next step. And folks, at times I let my lamp go dry too. I, I'm not going to stand up here and say that I never have a lamp that runs out of oil. I, I do. There's, there's times when I get so busy being a pastor that I forget to be a Christian. What I mean by that is there are times when I do so much reading and praying for work that I don't do my Bible reading and my praying for myself. And when that happens, I can start to feel my spirit go dry. I can start to feel like there's aspects of my life that are kind of drying up and starting to wither a little bit. And it's at times like that when I feel that way, and I'm not content with it. And I think, well, how do I, how do I turn this around? How do I resolve this tension I'm feeling? How do, I, how do I pour water on this dry sponge that is just thirsty within me? And it reminds me of a promise we found in Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. That leads us to the solution. And it says this in Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. It talks about those who delight in the word of God are like trees who are planted by streams of water, which yield fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. See, a tree's health, a tree's fruitfulness, a tree's vitality is completely at the mercy of nature. What I mean by that is if you give any tree access to the right nutrients and to water and to light, it will thrive. It will thrive, and as it grows and thrives and has fruit and leaves and it gets very, very full, it becomes a blessing to others as well, simply because it had access to the right things. But when those things are lacking in a tree's life, when it's lacking nutrients and water and light, it starts to grow unhealthy, doesn't it? It starts to struggle to, 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 to bear leaves and foliage. It, it struggles. It, its fruit production drops as it just struggles to stay alive because it's lacking those key nutrients that it needs. Now, to apply this to the human experience, uh, 
this wonderful quote by George Bernard Shaw who said this. He said, except for the nine months before a person draws their first breath, no man manages his affairs as well as a tree does. What does that mean? For the nine months that we are in our mother's womb, we ourselves manage nothing. We ourselves are completely at the full mercy of our creator. And we are at the full mercy of our creator who weaves us together in our mother's womb into this amazingly beautiful, intricate being. And then we're born. And we start to have options and choices, but wouldn't we do well to allow the one who managed the first nine months of our lives to manage every other month of our life as well? When we're in our mother's womb, we manage nothing. But then as we are born more and more in our life, we gradually try to manage more and more ourselves. And sometimes we find that our lives wither. In such times, let us put our, hands, or put our lives back in the hands of the one who managed the first nine months so beautifully and so well. If you read and study, memorize God's word diligently, you will have what you need to be fruitful. You will have what you need to walk in faith. And where do you start? You start with having a plan. You can have a plan for reading the Bible. You know, every week in the sermon notes that we put on there, there is a Bible reading plan every week in the sermon notes that you can just simply click on, join, and start following. Every week it's there. You can go to Bible.com and find thousands of free Bible reading plans on any topic you can imagine, any topic on your mind. But like anything, if you want to have success in this, you need to start with a plan. That's where it begins. If you were to walk into a gym today, you're like, hey, my, my goal is to get fit. I'm going to walk into a gym. And you go stand. You've never been to a gym before. It's been a long time. You stand in the middle of that gym by yourself without a trainer, you are going to be overwhelmed. Where do I start? What do I do first? Some say stretch. Some say don't stretch. Do I do legs today? No, you don't do legs. Chest, right? It's always the upper body. Where do I start? What machine do I use? You'll be overwhelmed if you stand there yourselves. Now, if you walk in there and you have some experience and you can create your own plan, make your plan and then go. Or if you don't have a plan, you need a trainer. And if you need a trainer, hey, we have pastors. Good news. Pastor Andrew and myself, we'd be more than happy to talk to you and help you find, not just a plan for the gym, we can help you with that too, but we can help you find a plan for your Bible reading in the year ahead. If you're still not sure where to start, let me make it easy for you. Here's the one I'm reading this year. It's called The Full Story. From the beginning to the amen. It's a chronological Bible reading plan. And this link is found in your Bible sermon notes, in your sermon notes as well, online through the Pew Portal. It's a chronological reading of the entire Bible in one year with a psalm or a story of Jesus added each day. And if you want to join this one, you can simply click on it and join me on reading the full story this year. Or you can find other ones at Bible.com. But start now. You can find these in your sermon notes. And other places, links to them as well. So perhaps as you enter 2023, a theme verse that you might want to look to is found in Joshua 1.9. Perhaps it's one that's found in Philippians chapter 3 where it says, Forget what is behind but strain towards what is ahead, pressing on towards your goal in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means in that one we can learn, we can grow from the past, but we'll not be defined nor defeated by our past. Rather, we'll be shaped and motivated by it. Perhaps that's a verse for you for this year. Or perhaps Psalm 118 verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than it is to put your confidence in man, or to put your confidence in yourself. We are blessed with godly people in our lives. 
But the Christian journey is meant to be a shared journey. And so we want to have people around us, but we want to trust in the Lord God above all else. Or Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And when we store God's word in our hearts, we're putting oil in our lamps. And then it can be a light that we carry with us as we take each step in the world around us. Each of us, each of these verses will have an opportunity to focus us upon God. His great love and his great grace for us and his presence in our lives in this year ahead. My prayer is that we would decide to take one of these steps and to make a deeper commitment to him in 2023. And on that note, I want to close with a word of prayer as we close our service and head into communion in just a moment here. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can see you in the events of our past, that we can see you in the amazing things that you have done for us and through us and in us in 2022. God, we are amazed as we stand, and we're just in awe of how much you have done through West Meadows and to our community, to our congregation, and, and our prayer simply, Lord, is to say, do it again. Do it again, Lord. Help us to follow you faithfully, to stay on mission for your sake, Lord, to proclaim your name and your fame into the community around us, that we would grow in deeper awareness and a walk with you. But we also pray, Lord, for those who are coming into this year of uncertainty because last year was not great. For these people, Lord, we pray, we pray, Lord, that those who had a hard season, that you would uplift them. Lord, bring them your mercy and your grace. Strengthen them and encourage them with the power of your word and the presence of your spirit in their lives that we may all move forward in step with you, tapped into the resources we need to be fruitful in every season of life we find ourselves in, so that we can turn back acknowledging your presence, your goodness, and giving all praise and all glory to you. Lord, we don't know what's ahead for us in this coming year, but we know that you will be with us because Jesus Christ promised to be with us, because he made it possible for him to be with us, and because we believe and we've seen that he is. We pray this in your name. Amen.